She was 39 years old. That was one of the first things the woman said to me as she reported feeling spiritually flat and anxious. As we developed our conversation, I learned that she had tracked pretty well career-wise. She hadn't set the world on fire, but she had achieved a position that matched her goals. She had a sense of accomplishment about that. Originally from the Midwest, like many others of us here, she was attracted to the bright lights, big city adventure of New York City. And for the most part, things had gone pretty well for her. But a couple of months ago, she realized she had lost the taste in her mouth. Everything had a cast of gray, like like a brooding winter sky, maybe like a sky like today, as a matter of fact, as she described the feeling. She was unnerved, uncertain of what to make of it. Was this depression? And if it was, where did it come from? She'd never felt this way before. She had experienced plenty of bad stuff in her life and gotten through all of that. But this was different. This this seemed bigger as though some larger thing was going on. On any given Sunday, today for instance, people sitting in the pews like all of you have brought with them wide-ranging sets of personal circumstances. We share certain larger cultural experiences like our current political mishigash, but individually we're all over the map with what's going on in our own lives. Some would have good things to report about their lives, you know, a job promotion, news of a pregnancy, great year-end bonus, and so on. Others would report that life is pretty much status quo, nothing much new going on, same old, same old. And still others would report the health crisis, unhappiness with work or marriage or parenting or romance or maybe even some personal failure. Yet no matter the particular details of our life circumstance this morning, all of us could identify certain times in our lives that were more difficult, times we were lost in confusion and not understanding why, waking up one day and discovering we had been wandering in a wilderness. This can take many forms, but everyone, I think, judging by what I've heard and my own experience, has experienced times of anxiety, depression, or as my new acquaintance said, a prolonged season with a brooding, wintry sky. Sometimes as we live into this season, And though occasioned by a vexing issue or two, we sense it has less to do with any particularly disturbing event from past or present than a realization that the current me is slipping away and the new me has yet to fully emerge. We feel raw, exposed, and vulnerable. At that point, we can choose to move into it and through it or attempt to turn our back, 
cover our eyes and flail around for a while in a state of bewilderment, maybe even for quite a long while, decades even. I've known people who have flailed for decades, unable to step into the next thing. That's what I wound up talking about with my new acquaintance. Over time, she came to real, realize that while certain issues may have prompted her dis-ease, at root, her wintry season was a more a life stage transition, another opportunity for growing up. I shared that I had experienced a couple of times like that in my life, and I imagine that one or two still remain for me. I also allowed how there was a really potent spiritual component to this that had to do with hope. We usually don't talk and think about this, but hope is what allows us to let go of the old in order to embrace the new. We tend to experience this implicitly rather than explicitly, but hope is our most powerful engine for change. And hope is a deeply spiritual value. Hope is the harbinger of the new day, even as dark clouds hang low. This made sense to her, she said, and that she would pray for hope. I said that was a very good prayer, a very important prayer. I returned to it all of the time myself. Did you know that you could pray for hope? Most people don't know this, actually. Hope is an essential component of human existence. Not what much would be accomplished without it. Little suffering could be endured. Little striving over impossible-seeming obstacles. I mean, that's true, isn't it? Think about the details of your own struggles. Wouldn't it be true to say that in order to make it through some dark episode of your life, hope is what allowed you to muddle forward? It may not have seemed like much at the time, but now looking back, you can see that without just a sliver of hope, the new day would have been impossible. When something doesn't work out and we try, try, try again, all that trying has an intimate relationship with hope. In the process, we'll likely learn a thing or two, but hope makes the learning possible. I tell you that not many marriages would endure without hope. In a hopeless world, no one would have a child, except by accident. Why buy stocks and bonds or own a mortgage? Though we really think of it, rarely think of it, hope animates all of our life-affirming decisions, small and large alike. Still, for all of this hope-induced behavior, sometimes we do enter the season of low-hanging, dark and ominous clouds, and we wander and wonder and question. I mean, after all, we're only frail flesh with a certain number of years to our span of life, and so we can stumble in our confidence. But now to complicate the picture just a bit, if instead of sitting within the beauty and comfort here of Park Avenue, New York City, imagine instead 
For real, you were in a caravan of refugees fleeing intolerable conditions in your homeland with your families at risk for their lives. Imagine that. Or in an upstate federal prison cell. Or suffering with famine in Yemen. We see clearly now that without hope, those circumstances and our politics as well, for that matter, are dead, stillborn, without hope. Hope seems reckless, even arrogant, considering the scale of the problems in our world. Still, hope lives. How does hope live? Why does hope live? And here we have a rather odd answer, honestly. And yet it's an answer that has completely captured the world's attention, and it is called Christmas. This seems perplexing in the extreme, especially given how we abuse it by our excesses and our distractions. Still, that is the answer we proclaim here. We say that at the core of all things, our God intends to bring redemption out of destruction. If not today, then tomorrow for certain. We say the child of Bethlehem is our hope and reveals the hope that continues into our misty future. We invite people to share the faith which is grounded in hope, the hope that God will have the day. We know from Jesus' own life that hope is rooted in the exigencies of human experience, meaning hope isn't an owner's guarantee that life will always be easy. Rather, that life is held securely in God's hands. That's what hope proclaims. No matter what, God will have the day. Jesus spoke of the future in a variety of ways. Today, we heard how he examined the dark and ominous sky and experienced the future with a sense of foreboding. As Luke tells the story... This morning's gospel comes just a few verses before Jesus' arrest. Still, for all of the roaring of the sea and distress among the nations and the shaking of the heavens, he says to stand and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near, which sounds to me like a proclamation of hope in the midst of current distress. Now, there's no question the Jews of first century Palestine lived in dangerous times, just a few decades away, their city was sacked and their temple torn down. Those ruins are, can be seen today. Well, how can one be hopeful when the sky itself seems to be falling? Because God looms far larger than the sky with all of its stars and planets, and God intends for life to prevail, even my life and your life. We go so far as to say that we shall prevail even after our very last breath has been spent. That is the promise embedded within Advent. Easter is embedded within Advent. This transcendent hope is woven into every single strand of creation fabric. We could not escape it even if we wanted to. God will have the day, period. Period. That's our theology. Life triumphing. Get on board. Get with the program. Even in the midst of crisis and catastrophe, hope knows this deep truth. 
Robust hope is not undone by suffering or grief. In part, suffering and grief form the anvil upon which authentic hope is forged. Hope has no truck with Pollyanna philosophies. It's no sentimental Christmas card. It is at least equal to the worst that life can dish out, more than equal. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about hope today. We'd be peddling despair. Hope lies close to the heart of life. They go together, hope and life and life and hope. Their dance animates our worship and inspires our musicians and fuels our passions and prompts our desire to grow into the better version of ourselves that we suspect was intended in the first place. Hope gets us up and gets us going and moves us out the door to say yes to life and what God intends for us, no matter what. Hope is the mother of second and third and fourth and fifth chances. How many do you need a lifetime of chances? Friends, God will have the day.